0: Welcome to Atlanta Mix 108. Up next is Author Talk with your host, Emma Roostrack. I'm here with Les Cochran He has some fabulous books That he's going to share with us tonight The first series we're going to talk about And mainly talk about Is his Detroit Thornbirds Defy Mafia Did I pronounce that right?
1: You got it right It is uh, I have a lot of people that ask me uh, First question is What is a thorn bird? <laughs> well, it- let, is it all right. I'll just start out with that.
0: Just go ahead.
1: The um, you may remember uh, there's a myth about the thorn birds. It was reported in a book uh, called The Thornbirds in '77, and not much has been done with the concept. But essentially, a thornbird uh, is a bird that searches its whole life for a thorn tree. And what what it is is about dedication and commitment and love, uh, willing to die for a cause. And I picked that up because the people I write about in my mafia series, what I call them, the Detroit Thornbirds, are people, uh, regular people on the streets and they're fighting an upward battle. Uh, Say, for example, I'm not going to pay the tax uh, imposed by the mob. Uh, I'm not going to do this by the black gangs at the time. And so uh, they're not just regular uh, people that walk down the street and do nothing. These are people that are fighting to save their homes and, and the, to make a difference and I, I came in contact with these people uh, back in the early 70s and so uh, that's uh, that's what I write about
0: now your first book in the series is called Sex Club
1: yes Sex Club, uh, yeah, Sex Club uh, came out a couple years ago um, it, it starts in 1977 as each of my books takes a two year snippet out of the uh, history of the Detroit Mafia So it is historical fiction or Maybe better said Historical crime fiction uh, And it portrays uh, My characters weaving their way Through the, uh, the Crisis that's going on in the city In Club, uh, The actual word Or name was an actual Strip club and I hate to admit This on radio but it, When I was a little younger it was a place that I went To uh, on occasion uh, doing research, of course. Of course. <laughs> so That's in, what in those the first series, so poor, right? <laughs> right. And so in, in this series, uh, I have a series of characters that uh, fit into the the story. Uh, uh, Detective Clark Phillips is, is the lead character, but he plays poker with some of his high school buddies and college friends, uh, and a Catholic priest so the story goes uh, various ways it gets into uh the uh, activities of the mob in connection with money laundering with the catholic church uh it gets into uh the struggles of uh, some of these people and their wives um uh, dealing with the uh, you know the restrictions and and uh, of the um, of the mob and so that's uh, that's where this goes uh, and so when when you read the book uh, if you read about a restaurant, it's a real restaurant. And you order off the menu. When they go to a, a ball game, for example, it's the real game that happened in Tiger Stadium that night. And so oh. uh, so it's kind of interesting, I think, that uh, anyone who would even have a no- notion of Detroit would understand that.
0: So you have a lot of accurate information in the book, not just off the top of your head. You did a lot of research. Right, you
1: did. Yeah, it's, uh, I spend uh, probably two or three days uh, or hours a day researching, and I have volumes on the Detroit Mafia. It's amazing what you can find, um, you know, when, when you keep digging. I found, for example, uh, I was Googling, and I was on, like, page 30, and I found a, a word, and I kept following it. And it ended up being that I found that there is, in fact, uh, a, what they call the commission, And these are uh, the 24 heads of mafia that meet annually to talk about uh, issues and concerns that they have. And they started in 1933. So it's kind of interesting.
0: Yes, that is. I I would never have known that.
1: Well, I didn't either, and I was halfway through the book when I found out.
0: Okay, so we go from Sex Club into your recently released book, Blind Pig.
1: Yes, and Blind Pig. Do you know what a blind pig is?
0: A police officer that turns a blind eye.
1: That's right. And, and it is then the places that uh, these corrupt uh, police officers where the local people go uh, for a little action. They open up at 2 o'clock. Uh, And they run to about six o'clock in the, uh, in the morning. Um, They started back in the uh, twenties and thirties with the speakeasies. And, and of course those were very glitzy and where the rich people went. Well, the poor people in the inner cities couldn't go to places like that. So the local bar or uh, uh, a community center served that purpose. And so, Uh, There was uh, a little gambling in the back, uh, a prostitution hanging around, uh, and, of course, drugs were being sold uh, pretty openly at that time. So uh, that is um, what goes on. And so in the process, uh, some of these were independent, but many of these uh, uh, blind pigs were run by the mafia. And so my story in in Blind Pig, then, is about uh, the efforts of, some of the people in the community trying to shut down uh, the um, the blind pigs, and uh, of course some of them, uh, some of my characters, you know, are um, eliminated, so to speak. Uh, but it it is again historical crime fiction, and everything in the book, uh, newspaper stri- clippings are is is accurate, except the part of my my characters that are weaving through. Trying to solve uh, and they're trying to solve real uh, uh, murders and uh, uh, crises that are going on at the time. So that I'm really excited really, about that book. This and,
0: series is very there, interesting, as much research yeah. that you're doing and how much weaving you have to do to create a fictional book from nonfiction elements.
1: Right. Uh, and one of the things that I pride myself in, I try to narrow the line between fact and fiction. And so uh, the one time uh, there will be a newspaper clipping, which is actual. Uh, it's, it happens, uh, something happened in Detroit at the time. Uh, the next one may be one that I've made up uh, because it's about my characters. And so as you weave through this, you say, well, that, re- that was real. And people tend to start believing that it's all real. Uh, and so it's kind of interesting when like, you do an interview or somebody sits down and and talks about the book and they want to know these characters. Well, who are they? You know, they said, well, that that part is fictional, and and uh, I think it's uh, kind of fun for people to try and say, now is this real or not?
0: That is always fun as, as a reader trying to figure out facts facts from fiction. It's always fun right. trying to figure out. Okay, do I need to do my own research just to figure out if these characters existed or if this is part of the story made up by the mind of the creator?
1: Yeah, and one of the things I've done in this, uh, in Blind Pig, and that first time I've tried it, I have a picture of the character, Clark Phillips, and I write about, you know, where he lived, uh, which is a place where I taught high school when, uh, when I was in Detroit. And so now you have this picture of this individual, which is a little unusual because most authors don't put a picture, you know, of the characters. And some, so it's a concept that I'm trying, and I've gotten really mm-hmm. good feedback because people say, you know, I, I know Clark Phillips, you know, kind of, uh, so to speak.
0: Yeah. It's always well, then, interesting um, to, when an author goes an extra mile in their books. And to me, that's yeah, just think, a mind-blowing piece.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. The the other thing that I've done is, is, in fact, putting the real clippings of the newspaper. You know, and that's a way when I'm writing about this two-year period, I can put in a clipping of a real newspaper article uh, that fits into the story, of course. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like a little outline. Uh, and I've gotten really good um, comments from people about. Uh, you know the clippings, even though some of them are uh, fictional.
0: <laughs> that is really interesting. That that yes, just I'm, makes me—I'm not a, usually one that reads crime fiction, but the way you're describing everything on the pages and everything in between the pages, it makes me want to pick it up just to try to figure out what you wrote is that is fictional, and what's reality or was reality back in the 70s
1: right well uh, the the other thing that i do is i try to let the the dialogue carry the story Uh, one of my early uh, editors said you you tell too much Uh, you you describe too much and of course i was a professor at one time and so as you know professors seem, seem to talk and write about 10 pages and say nothing and so um she was very critical of me in my early years of writing fiction. And so uh, I'd say that probably 80% of the books now are dialogue by the characters carrying the story. And I think that helps it flow very quickly. So it makes it an easy read.
0: I've read books both ways. One that has the author very detail orientated, very little dialogue that are wonderful, and I've read books that are full of dialogue with very little backstory that are just as captivating. I've, from a reader's point of view, it all depends on how you portray your book.:
1: Absolutely. But, and, and if there was one standard way of, or best way of doing it, all the books would be that way, and of course they're not. Uh, that's one of the beauties about uh, reading a book is you pick up a different style or a, a different approach uh, every time you deal with a different author so it, uh, it, it's kind of mind-boggling in that regard. Uh, the other go thing ahead. that I tell you that I oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. The, the other thing that I'm excited excited about is I just sent to the editor uh Get Even uh which is uh my uh, book for this year. I as I said I was uh, cranking out a book a year and uh, it takes uh the story two more years, and it, the, the term in this case, get even, was uh, because in my research, uh, in the particular two years that I was covering, everybody was in a mode of getting even, and I heard, you know, I was just picking up the research, and uh, uh, they said, you know, we, we're getting even, uh, and because it, it was it, it was a time when heroin hit Detroit, Uh, Most people think that Detroit died, you know, in the, uh, in the riots. Well, that's, that was the beginning of it, but it was almost like a perfect storm that hit Detroit. The auto industry tanked, uh, drugs hit, um, people didn't have any jobs. And so sometimes the the runners, as they called them, the the 12 year olds who are working for the, the gangs, uh, were the only breadwinner in the, in the family. And so there's a lot about, in the book about the, the cultural change uh, that happened uh, during this time because it becomes acceptable in a family uh, to have uh, your son selling drugs because he's the only person that's working.
0: That makes a lot of sense versus what we yeah. see now, what it's evolved to.
1: Yeah, and, and it's really interesting how, uh, are, if you think about it, how the government uh, didn't, did d- nothing about the drug problems at that time, and as you said, uh, opened the door for the floodgate, or so to speak, of, of what's going on now. Uh, but I, it does help me understand, and I think it will help the readers understand that you know, if a, if your son has is t- 12 years old, and here's here's what the deal was. Uh, he sold a bag of heroin for 13 bucks. The The mob gets 10 and he gets three. There were examples of kids, 12-year-olds walking around with two, $3,000 in their pocket. Can you imagine that? It's just mind-boggling. In one case where a 15-year-old walked in with $62,000 in a grocery bag, and laid it on the table and bought a new BMW. That's you know, it's just my boggling you know, Yeah, the whole our whole society, you know, the society collapsed. Uh, the churches failed. The schools failed. Uh, half of the kids, kids were dropping out. Um, the churches did nothing. It was just kind of it's a crazy time uh, in Detroit and other cities. Philadelphia went through the same thing. Uh, uh, in fact, Philadelphia was far more violent uh, than uh, Detroit was. But uh, I think people under help them understand that uh, what happened in our inner cities just didn't happen overnight. And, and it wasn't just bad people. It was, you know, this was survival.
0: It makes you look at what's going on now in a different light. If this would have been stopped or dealt with decades ago, would we have some of these problems that we have today?
1: Absolutely. We may never know
0: that answer, but it's a good question to throw out there to make people think.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's, you know, and, and part, of, part of what I do, you know, I, there's a little old professor in me every once in a while comes out. And so, it, it, you know, this is my forum for teaching. And so I see writing as a process and for me, it is a teaching process, not telling like I used to, but having the characters bring you along so you have a feeling and an understanding of, of what they're dealing with. So it's not the typical uh, uh, godfather approach to the mafia, which is a top-down, as I would describe it, uh, approach when where they're told and and, and how they're working uh, from the top. And I like to see say that my book's, are a, a bottom-up approach uh, at looking at the mafia and how it affects the, the individual people. Uh, and so I think that that's uh, significantly different than maybe my little niche in all of this.
0: It's a very interesting approach, really. And like I said, this is a book that I normally wouldn't read, but the way you're describing it, it makes me want to read it. And frankly, as soon as I get off here I'm going to have to at least get Sex Club so so, um, I have to start at the beginning because I'm not going to start with Blind Pig but obviously I am going to have to start with Sex Club just to get the feel for the actual book
1: Well, I I think that's wise I've I've written them uh, so if somebody did pick up Blind Pig it would be freestanding but uh, starting with Club and working your way through it, uh, uh, will, you know, the, the characters continue to evolve and develop. Um, and uh, Nicole Weatherspoon, who becomes a dominant player, who is a, uh, a black lady who lost her husband to the mob, uh, becomes a dominant player in Blind Pig. But to understand that fully, you have to appreciate what she went through when the mob killed her husband. Uh, you know, and left her with two boys uh, to raise, uh, you know, so it's a, uh, I think you're wise to start with saxlo
0: Now, besides this, you also have another series. Is Love, Lies, and Lia- Liaisons. Can we touch base just a little bit on that?
1: Yeah, that is a totally different venue. Um, it started uh, several years ago. Uh, In uh, about 2010, uh, I was uh, at a with friends, and this lady kept saying, "Les, you ought to write a book." I said, "I don't have a storyline." She said, "Les, you ought to write a book." Well, um, about two weeks later, I get an email from her, and she said, "I haven't seen the first chapter yet." Well, wouldn't you know? She bugged me like that for about a month, and I sat down and said. I started, and she said, you tell all of these stories about university president because tongue-in-cheek, you know, I was a university president at the time, and I thought many of them were a bunch of nerds, uh, and so I was always poking fun at them, uh, which I could do, you know, you know because I was a, yeah. a president myself. Well, anyway, right. uh, so I started thinking about this, and um, I, start, I I did come in contact in my career with a person that had, um, as my mother would say, uh, a zipper problem. And, and that's a nice way of saying it. In fact, he was... We, uh, my character. We all
0: come across those, I think.
1: Yeah. My character was having affairs with five indiv- women, professional women, uh, you know, some different places, one in maybe in the state capitol when he went there, maybe another one when he went in conferences or whatever, which is not unusual. Uh, but anyway... Uh, I I started writing about this person and uh, uh, completed that book and then took it to an editor. And uh, she said, uh, well, you write pretty well, but sociology papers don't sell. And uh, the point of that was I had written it like a paper because I was a professor. And so she's the one that helped me. uh, It took me three years then to write the first book. Uh, and that's signature affair and it is about a university president who starts out his career has some of the things that I did in my career, not the bedroom scenes um, but anyway um, it is um, it does have um, not a, a exotic or a explicit sex in it but it does have a lot more sex because it's l- later later in the book you'll find that he is a sex—he's uh, addicted to sex and has that um, problem, and so wow. then it goes through the addiction uh, problems that he he struggles with. He then goes uh, in costly affair uh, because they find out, of course, uh, and he has to leave that little community, and he goes to uh, North Carolina, which a fictitious uh, university called Mountain State near Asheville, where I happen to live, uh, and so. Uh, it, the second book is about his trials and tribulations and the dual life, essentially, that a person lives as an addict uh, and a professional uh, career, which is very common, um, both men and women, by the way. The, some people think that sex addiction is a male problem. Uh, it's more dominant among males, but there are a large number of females who have a sex addiction problem. But anyway, um, so he then, uh, by that time, he has turned around two universities and has a national reputation in the field of education for educational reform. So it happens to be then that the President of the United States, in Presidential Affair, the third book in the trilogy, brings him to Washington, D.C. to help reform our public schools. So it does have uh, some real, uh, it's fictional, of course. But it does have real things that I think should happen in our public schools. Uh, for example, if you can't read at the first grade, you don't go on to the second grade. Pretty simple concept, but not a yes, practice anywhere.
0: I be, yeah, I believe back in the 80s, it was a practice that you had to reach benchmark before you went to the other grades, where now right. you right. get rewarded so in, for doing nothing.
1: That's right, or, or what, whoever your parents are or what you do or, or whatever. Anyway, it just happens to be the first female president of the United States. So now my guy is working on the Hill uh, during the day and working on real legislation and, and coming into contact with uh, uh, Senator Kennedy and other real people that were going on at that time. And uh, by night, he is in the White House. Uh, so, um, an, an interesting thing that I have of, about that is that one of my friends was a Secret Service agent for the for, uh, the Carters, and so he reviewed all of the material to make sure that when I was talking about the White House that I used the proper protocols, and uh, I think that's kind of an interesting uh, aspect, so there's a lot of, of real uh, uh, realism in that book, although it is about uh, the you know the 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 dual life and the struggles of a sex addict.
0: Again you did a lot of research in blending all your fiction with the nonfiction and blending other protocols just to make the book feel real is astounding.
1: Yes, well thank you. And I didn't mention I want to go back to the the first series. Uh during my research uh for uh, the mafia book, I came in contact with the head of the FBI division, Detroit, who was there at the same time. I interviewed him three or four different, well, four different times. I have about 24 hours or 23 hours of tapes of inter, or not tapes, but uh, uh, interviews of him. And uh, again, there's, there's uh, insights that he shared because he, he could, he's retired and it's, you know, passed now of real things that weren't even in the paper. Uh, for example, the coffee house that didn't serve coffee. He tells me a story about that and and insights that were going on and uh, raids that they made and busts they made and a, and a T3, which was uh, his top informant uh, and where he met with the top informant. And so I, I took a lot of that and incorporated it, uh, you know, into uh, Sax Love and into uh, Blind Pig. So I, I think that there's some real significant uh, things that people learn, you know, from my books because, again, I, as I said, I have a little teaching left in me and I'm still, uh, you know, the old professor, so to speak, in, in that regard.
0: That is a hidden gem that a lot of authors would fawn over the opportunity to get, to have a live person that was there during the time period during the actual events that you're writing about for a fictional no- novel that that is wow
1: <gasps> yeah it is, it is a wow, because uh, uh it is uh but uh, you know I'm trying to write historical crime fiction and so uh, as i said before it's amazing where the, my research has taken me uh to uh, i mentioned earlier the, the commission that where the mobsters get together, uh, a T three informant, uh, and you know what that means, and and, and so it um, it really was a joy to, to find out all of these things, and then find ways to weave my characters through the 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 very uh, cases that he was talking about, and my so my characters actually perform, so to speak, some real cases that, that he described for me.
0: My mind's blown at this point because you, you put so <laughs> much heart, soul, and research into this book. I am definitely buying Sex Club. Now, my question is, is there more books after this third book comes out?
1: Uh, yes, there is. Uh, right in front of me uh, right now is For Higher. Uh, it is uh, the next book in the series, and it will be uh, covering the years 84, 86, I have a couple chapters done Uh, right across in my room. I have the storyboard laid out. um, And the way I do that is have uh, each of the chapters divided up into chapters one through five and six through ten and so on. I know it's going to be about 30 chapters. And so I color code uh, the characters with little postums that are stuck on there. And so I have those uh, already done and I have the events picked out. Uh, Those are the the, uh, newspaper clippings.
0: So you do basically a James Patterson in your uh, framework.
1: Yeah, exactly. He does almost the
0: same thing. Yes. It's amazing to find authors that do this because not too many have the patience to have the framework where it's color-coded to sticky notes to what's going to happen in every chapter. It's amazing to find an author that goes through extensive research.
1: Well, and I think what is so interesting to me, some people even detail it more, you know, have pages of it, but what's interesting to me is to have um, a a pink little slip in one case and know the character's going to be uh, doing something, another event three chapters from now, I absolutely, when I'm writing, have no idea how this character is going to get there. But your mind starts working and uh, this whole milieu of all this coming together with these events uh, and my mind takes me to that event. And I, I, I just think it's a, I mean, that's the fun part for me is to create a part, uh, uh, you know, dotting the I's, checking the T's and, and crossing the T's and doing that uh, and uh, that's that's the creative part, and so that's that's what I can hardly wait to do and so uh, what this and this is what typically happens is i'm finishing one book, my head is in the next book, of course, you have hours and hours of editing, you know, which is pain taking and not very exciting, has to be done, but my mind is into the next book,
0: and that is always where the fun begins at starting that next book. But right. we only have a few minutes left. So before I let you go, where can the readers find you if they have questions about your book, if they want to connect with you, or shoot you an email?
1: Uh, that, okay, we'll start with the email it is author at lescochran.com. That's pretty simple, I, I think. Author at lescochran.com. I have a website. Uh, it's lescochran.com. Not too difficult. I have a blog, lescochranblog.com. I have a. Uh, you can go on Facebook at Les Cochrane, and uh, we've tried to make it easy for uh, people to get a hold of us. Uh, I blog a couple times a week, uh, sometimes about current events, but usually about. The characters and how how an event or an experience um, you know where I came up with this kid person's name or an event like that. Uh, Obviously, I'm on Amazon, um, and uh, you know, but people can uh, go through that route. And uh, one of the other things that we're doing is we're doing a lot of book signings. Uh, I probably won't be well. I I am going to be doing one um, a book signing in Athens. Uh, Georgia this fall because guess what? There is a restaurant called The Blind Pig there. And so. That
0: is serendipitous. Um, <laughs> so
1: it's kind of a. So, there, you know, you got to have a little fun in all this too, but uh, uh, it, it's very easy to get a hold of Les Cochran. Just uh, uh, Google it and my name will start popping up. Go to my website uh, or whatever the case might be.
0: Great. I'm glad it's nice and easy for our listeners to get a hold of you. And that's about as much time as we have today. So, let's thank you so much for coming on my show. It's been very enlightening. And I already have your book bookmarked for Amazon. <laughs> and
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much.
0: This is Melissa Vustrak, or ML, signing off for Atlanta. And happy reading.